should. Welcome to episode four of Gaia and Sarah Save the World. Uh, I'm Sarah. <laughs> I'm Gaia. Uh, today we are going to be talking about defense mechanisms. Oh yeah, something that we are all very familiar with. We're experts in defending ourselves. <laughs> and smashing things and ruining our audio. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like defense mechanisms are a part of like everyone's day to day yeah. life. Even if you are more self aware, you're still not perfect. Right. Everyone is doing it, so we kind of want to bring some awareness to it, so that maybe you can call yourself out on your shit a little bit more. Yeah, I think we've mentioned that at least a couple times in the first three episodes. How to call yourself out on your bullshit and mm-hmm. how valuable that is. Uh, so I guess we wanted to kind of make an episode that's talking about our own experience of learning how to do that. Um, but also, we'll, we're just going to talk about really unhealthy defense mechanisms. What are some defense mechanisms that aren't great, but aren't like completely as bad, I guess. Un- yeah, <laughs> terrible. And then we'll talk about what healthy defense mechanisms look like, too. Yeah. Um, and our main source for today's episode is going to be our favorite website, Psychology Today. <laughs> oh, we love Psychology Today. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> so I guess we can get right into it. Uh, the first section we're going to cover is unhealthy defense mechanisms. So one of those would be... Do we need to define what projection? We should define what defense <laughs> Well, did we define what defense mechanisms are? I don't think so. I think we were just like, hey, we're doing an episode on defense mechanisms. An automatic reaction of the body against disease-causing organisms. Or, <laughs> also, <laughs> why was that the one I would choose to read? <laughs> we're talking about medical... process like repression or projection which we will talk about today initiated typically unconsciously to avoid conscious conflict or anxiety <laughs> so we're experts in this uh like major experts the other could be a major expert <laughs> i majored in being an expert <laughs> oh my god <coughs> i'm sick <laughs> So that's what defense mechanisms are. Everyone uses them. Uh, we don't. We almost don't have control over when and how we're using them. Um, we need them. Like it's important to have these in place for survival, for coping. Um, but being able to distinguish between healthy defense mechanisms and unhealthy defense mechanisms is super important. And learning to distinguish between these is really helpful just on a personal journey towards, you know, more self-awareness and feeling more at peace with yourself. And not making such an ass out of yourself yeah, all like, the time. Like, it, I mean, it really does come down to self-awareness. And when you don't have a good level of self-awareness, whether you realize it or not, you are consistently embarrassing yourself. Oh, totally. Like, and, or you're being an asshole and you don't know it. And you're not being fair to yourself at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, are we going to start with the We're bad? starting with 
the bad, the unhealthy defense mechanisms. So these are uh, behavior patterns to learn how to recognize in yourself and to to change. And at the end, we're gonna cover like how to change away from these. Um, so a big one being denial. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like when you um, when you talk about denial or even say the word denial, a lot of people immediately think, I don't do that. And they think of like some extreme example right. of like someone, this is so out there, I don't know why this just came to my head, but someone who like got into like a traumatic car accident and they're like, what car accident? Like I think that's what people's yeah. heads go to when they yeah. hear the word denial, but they don't realize how much self-denial, well, I don't think self-denial would be it, would it? Well, I think just like almost mediocre everyday denial, I think we don't realize how much of that is taking place like all the time. Yeah. Um, so a way to tell if you are in denial is if people are telling you um, so the, the article we got the definitions from says you constantly are told by people that you just can't see the reality of a bad situation. So if you, if this sounds familiar to you, if you're in a situation where people have told you multiple times, like your boyfriend's a dick, your girlfriend's a dick, and you're just like, no, 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 you know, that could be a sign that you're in denial. Um, so I have found myself in denial, uh, a lot of times Thank but you. even when we were just like creating our outline for this episode I was like no I don't think that one uh, applies to me <laughs> yeah and that's exactly like what it is right is that we all do it so much that we're just not even aware of it and it's right. in every it's in scenarios of where you're thinking about yourself the way that you think about friends relationships like anything there is some level of denial right so I can think of specific times in my life where I was in denial and what I was doing during that time would be literally driving and having arguments with myself in my head. So a lot of times in the car I think is like a good time to just like not listen to anything and just be in your own head and processing thoughts and I found myself like driving and saying like, well I don't think you're really actually in love with your boyfriend and then being like, and, and I mean, at this time, I can remember being like 20 and doing this and being like, you're not in love with your boyfriend. And be like, no, you're in love. It's just that sometimes, you know, it doesn't feel like you are, yep. <laughs> you know, and like uh -huh. literally having arguments with my own self in my own head about the reality and, and coming this close to accepting what the truth is. And then instead of having that breakthrough where then you have to make a whole bunch of changes, instead just being like, no, that's not actually the reality, that's not what it is, it's it's this, it's this, it's this, and starting to just kind of make excuses almost for the situation uh -huh. instead. That's why people hide from the truth even when it's presented to them, is because it would require them to take action upon accepting yes, it. absolutely. And that's why I feel like denial does exist. Yeah. Because it's basically like the lazy excuse to not do anything. Mm -hmm. Because even having those, like, remembering back to having those conversations in my head, I remember they started, like, it would get painful thinking of, if this is the conclusion I'm coming to right now, then the next step is I have to break up with my partner. Action. And that sounds awful, you know? Yeah. And and how horrible is that to be putting off, like, an inevitable breakup? Like, being on the, having been on the other side of that, too, like, that sucks. So, working through denial and... and 
checking in with yourself and making sure that you're not doing that is important. Um, but denial is a huge coping mechanism or defense mechanism, and it's why people can find themselves stuck in situations for years. Mm -hmm. Because it's easier to deny and push down and ignore than it is to face things. Well, denial also goes hand in hand with people that um, idealize yes. partners. Um, we all idealize our partners, especially in the first six months to a year, typically, of a relationship that's actually part of the chemical release of falling in love. Mm -hmm. It makes you only basically see the good in someone and just kind of like, there is no bad. This is denial. But right. sometimes people can do this for their entire relationship. They can idealize their partner into this like amazing, perfect, giving, like saint type yeah. of being. And this is denial. There is no person on this earth that is a saint. They don't exist. Uh -uh. Everyone does some shitty stuff. Everyone cannot come through. Like, it just, I feel like it's almost normalized because um, when you hear people talk about their significant others, you never hear someone be like, oh, well, they're particularly good in this and not so good at this. <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's always just like, he's amazing, she's amazing, he's amazing, he's the perfect person. That's not true. Right. That is denial. Your partner is a human being. Right. <laughs> they're not this, like, incredible perfect creature and being in denial of things like that can also mean that you're letting things go unaddressed exactly and maybe they could be addressed and it could just be fine but yeah. if you're in denial of things for too long then it can end up like exploding into like a heated argument or something that yep. actually didn't have to be that way it didn't have to get that way in the first place and typically if you're in denial of one thing or one type of or whatever about someone or anything it's usually not isolated to just that one thing correct if I've been in denial about like I don't like my job I don't like my relationship yep. I don't like where I live like I don't like like lots of aspects mm -hmm. of my life and and I feel like almost if you if you're denying one part of your life and you're using a lot of energy to avoid that problem then it means you're spending so much energy on avoiding one problem that if another problem comes along, you don't have energy to deal with that problem, so you have to start yep. avoiding that one too. And then yep. it's like you can only avoid all of your problems, so all your effort is going into just denial, denial, denial. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I think, I feel like my memory serves me correctly. <laughs> In the last episode, we talked about people not being honest or people not being accountable, one of those two things, and how... If someone isn't honest in one area of their life, they're probably not honest in all of the areas right. of their life. This is the same thing with denial. If you can be in denial that your partner is not a saint or you don't love your career or, you know, whatever the thing is, you are likely in denial about a lot of different areas of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like there is a lot of denial. Hopefully this is what I'm trying to say that people have um, with family relationships. Yes. Um, we start off as babies, children, idealizing our parents, and that's already viewing them as not human beings. We think right. that they are perfect and they don't right. mean any harm. And as we grow up, what you're supposed to do once you reach whatever age is realize that your parents are just human beings. Right. And sadly, a lot of times, 
you can end up with shitty parents. Yes. It doesn't have to just be your parents. It can be other family members as well. But we have this, like, fighting need inside to be in denial of facing the reality of whatever family member is a terrible person. Right. Because we have it built into us biologically to keep these secure figures in our lives and to defend them. Because if we realize what they are, it kind of shatters our sense of security that was built as a child. So I watch so many people who have like strong boundaries, hard nose with like other people in their lives, but then you but like, not with, their not with their family, especially their parents. Like you sit back and watch them and realize, oh my God, like you have no idea your mom, your dad, your brother, whatever is a terrible person who treats you like absolute trash. There's almost like a different rule set that can be <clears throat> applied to family members because that's your blood and you're supposed oh to my just honor God. that that's, that's no matter what. That's a huge pet peeve of mine. Yeah. I'm so triggered over um, people having this like, like, it would be like, almost like an unde- undeserving loyalty to family because of a blood tie it's so important that i mean they're we're we're old enough to where our parents are not still raising us right we can view our parents as human beings and it's important to realize that they don't always have the answers they aren't always having our best interests in mind and they can project their own bullshit onto us and be unhealthy um pieces of our life so I just think it's really important to not be in denial about your family. Your family may be a really bad part of your life and you could just be letting it continue because they're your family. Right, completely. I was gonna say another area that I see denial in really frequently is um, with people's personal finances. I think that's a huge area where it's very common to be in denial if you have bills mounting up or um, you know, you're, you're living beyond your means. I think this happens really commonly and it's partially because we live in a society where, um, there's a lot of pressure to have a lot of money, but it's also mm-hmm. almost taboo to talk about money. So yeah, there's like a weird. weird discrepancy there. And I think that creates an environment where it's really easy to be in this private denial and private turmoil about money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to one, like, break that taboo where it's not okay to talk about it because yeah. I think the more open we are about most topics, the easier it is to learn about those topics and to, um, you know, become better at whatever that area is because if you're able to openly speak about it with your, uh, you know, with people around you, then you can learn more that way. Um, but I think there's a huge... Uh, crisis of, of debt and you know loan debt and credit card debt and all these different kinds of debts in our country and um, you just have to be able to face those problems um, and that's a huge area where uh, denial can really 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 hurt people. Um, kind of going off of that, um, a common conversation that you see happening in real life online is that our generation <clears throat> has a really hard time meeting certain milestones that like our parents did like buying a house and, and buying a car and all this stuff but 
it's really frustrating that um, their generation doesn't understand why this is. Right. And it's, I read this the other day because I'm always trying to like get into this conversation, is that inflation is, you know, inflation is a real thing. And it's like they right. don't acknowledge that that's right. a thing, but our salaries have stayed the same. Yeah. So, of course, when you were 22, you could easily buy that house you know, working this job at this position, it's not the same now. Right. And I think because we have so much pressure and negative feedback coming from that generation, they're so overcritical and judgmental of right. like, why, why can't you grow up? Why, do you, why are you still not at this place? There are actual reasons. And I think that feeds into why we don't want to disclose Absolutely. a lot of our financial problems. Starting the <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's a ton of pressure from a lot of different angles. Um, about money in general that I think prevents people and stifles people from financial freedom because yeah. it's just too terrifying. And I think a lot of times the reason that denial becomes one of our biggest defense mechanisms is because it's a great way to deal with fear. So yeah. whether it's fear of making a change or fear of facing something that's really, really hard to face, um, I think denial really completely comes down to fear. Absolutely. Um, I think it's a lot of times fear of perception. Mm -hmm. um, like when I think of people that, you know, are living paycheck to paycheck, but they're making sure that on that paycheck they go to whatever outlet store to buy this brand so that they can take a photo that looks like they have a designer thing. Oh, yeah. They're trying to project this image of I'm I'm doing really well financially and I can afford these things, but in reality, they're like starving until their next paycheck. Or it can even be, you know, people who maybe they're in a relationship and it's, you know, it's been great, but they've just grown apart and they just aren't happy mm -hmm. together and it's not like abusive or anything. They just want to separate, but the appearance is like everyone thinks my relationship is perfect, like ending our relationship is really hard <clears throat> because of, you know, then you could be in denial and just say everything's fine and stay in a situation that you don't necessarily want to be in because it doesn't give you fulfillment and really it's just from you know the fear of judgment of other people absolutely i just think there's it's just so prevalent in like basically every area of our lives yes and i think um being in a constant state of denial which i think most of us spend a lot of time in denial yep. will just keep you several steps back from attaining what you want and just stepping into your fullest life absolutely so acting out <laughs> yes um so the example given for acting out is when you're annoyed you go out and do something impulsive such as going on a shopping spree <laughs> uh yeah i feel like uh, a lot of women can relate to this i'm not saying that men can't too but this tends to be our go-to stress a thing. hundred yeah. percent. I have done a lot of emotional spending in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's like we, um, something bad happens, and instead of facing it or dealing with it so that maybe it won't keep happening, we decide, no big deal, I'm going to drop $350 on some fucking French lingerie. I needed <laughs> 700 candles from Target. 700. <laughs> I needed that. I'm basically turning my house into a church. A fire. <laughs> I need all the candles. My house is now a church. All my problems are still there. I am basically living in a candelabra. <laughs> um, I, I think it doesn't necessarily just have to be a shopping spree. Uh, you know, 
I, I've seen people do this with like, uh, like, uh, well, I, my, I'm mad at my partner, so I'm gonna like go talk to my ex boyfriend. Oh my god! Like, people yes. do like crazy <clears throat> impulsive stuff like that, and it's just, um, again, not directly dealing with a problem, and instead interjecting like a completely different and extreme action in. Yeah. to the place of where you could just be doing the work of dealing with the problem. Uh, I believe in Attached, the book Attached, uh-huh. uh, they refer to this as protest behavior. Yes, um, yes. So everyone has their own personal set of protest behaviors, but what you're talking about, the acting out, like when a significant other does something you don't like, there's a meme about this oh, really? online <laughs> that is so accurate. It's so great. Um, it was like... Um, gets into argument with boyfriend and then it's like the boyfriend's actions like follows 26 bikini models <laughs> likes 34 naked photos of girls like yeah. that's ridiculous yeah. like child protest behavior right. right but that's exactly what this is like it's like a I'm, tantrum how dare you get mad at me now i will do all of this stuff to make you upset right because apparently this is a daycare right <laughs> But it could be with anything, yeah. too. Uh, it could be, like, you didn't get a promotion that you wanted at work or something, so you go out and spend, like, $2,000 on stuff you don't need, you know? Yeah. Like, or, or it could be, like, uh, really, like, addictive behavior. Like, it could be, like, I'm getting drunk. Yeah, you know? I'm going to get blackout drunk and, like, wake up in the gutter. Who cares where I wake up? It's going to be fine. I'll figure it out because I didn't get the promotion. Right. <laughs> We don't have any examples that are safe for the internet. I'm literally thinking of an example of being in the seventh grade. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, 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 okay. Here is great acting out, sad story. Oh no. So in the eighth grade, my biological father mm. just up and left, um, moved away. <clears throat> and I remember having no emotional response to this, which I now, as an adult, understand is dissociating. Right. But I was just like, yeah, I guess I don't care. Fuck him. <laughs> you know, because I'm a robot. So here's what happens the next day when I go to school. Um, there was some guy that I had dated the year before in the seventh grade. Um, and he told people, and now this is like in the eighth grade, that like, we had had sex or something, which is hilarious because I was so young, I was not having sex, but you know, there's a guy making up rumors. Right. So I remember being like, I'm going to go confront him about this because this is fucking stupid. And this turned into me knocking him out and getting suspended <laughs> from school. Oh and my gosh. So it literally started off my day by being like, I don't care about my dad leaving my life. I'm doing just great. Here, let me go assault this guy Fuck. and get suspended from school and have this go on my permanent record. Okay, <laughs> thinking in, in that line, I did so much of that in high school. Um, I used to pierce my body with safety pins. Same. Like, like chunks of my hands and oh, arm. Wow. I would just be like, yeah. <laughs> But like, yeah, cool. Like I would be like, look what I did. But clearly acting out. <laughs> look what I did. It was not like a cool act. No. 
That is not. I clearly had some shit going on. There might have been some stuff going on. Oh my the god! Surface. I can't believe I did that. Or like stapling my arm publicly. Hey, look what I can do. You just staple my fucking arm. Oh my god. Yeah. God. Yeah. We trigger were, warning. I guess. Is, fuck. I mean, I guess that technically like self harm, but it wasn't. It wasn't like that though. No, it was like funny. It was like stunts. I was like acting like Steve-O. Um, <laughs> um, hold on. That just, you saying Steve-O just reminded me. So me and my like high school boyfriend got into a fight over the weekend. Like we basically did every weekend. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to the hairdresser. It was like, can you shave? Like, I think it was an upside down part. <laughs> The next one is passive aggression. Uh, I think this one's probably familiar to a lot of people. Um, yeah. So the example given is hilarious. Uh, when someone bothers you, such as your spouse, you deliberately do something such as shrink their favorite shirt in the wash, which I'm going to start doing. Because <laughs> it's a great idea. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's just... Oh, that's really too oh, bad. Oh, shit. I accidentally hot washed and put the heat all the way up. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. Crazy. Um, I think we read another example in another article of, like, parking in someone's parking space. Yeah. It's basically, like, like so, it's, like, subtly being an asshole. Yeah. Um, I've, I've never carried out, like, actions like that. What would it be, like, um, like, getting someone's toothbrush dirty? You know, like, stuff like that. Um... Uh, I can just think of saying passive aggressive things like like backhanded compliments and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I can definitely just remember myself doing that a lot of times. Yeah. I don't think I do that anymore. I hope I don't. I'm not aware of it. I've never witnessed you doing that. Hmm. But I definitely have. I think that um when we first were going over this, I was like, no, I, I really don't do the passive-aggressive thing. But then when I started thinking more into when we were talking about it, God, I cannot get comfortable. It's when you make those, like, comments, like, um, I don't know, say you're watching an episode of our show and we mention something that we say is an unhealthy behavior and you're sitting there with your partner and you're like, someone I know does that. You know, yes. like, those kind of com like, comments... That's definitely being passive aggressive. And at first I was like, okay, I don't do that. But then I was like, you know what? I do kind of have this unhealthy obsession with like when I have like been with people and we have moved on from issues that randomly I Just like to bring make, it back up. Not not even so bring it back up, but like it usually is like stemmed from like a TV show or a movie. Uh -huh. Like I'll witness something that mirrors the issue that we have moved past. And I'll have to make a joke about it. Yeah, it it's like, almost, like goes under the excuse of sarcasm, but you're really just kind of like taking a stab at them. Yeah. And like to me, the thing is, I don't feel mad when I'm making the jokes. I think it's really fucking funny. But you know what? The other person sure doesn't. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be like, oh, see what they did there? It's almost like he just fucking ruined things. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And I'm like laughing, and like the other person's like, "Great, you just reopened a wound that I thought we had closed." Probably not. <laughs> I've definitely like had passive aggression from like other creative women out there, whether oh, like, yeah. it's in person when we've worked on stuff together or messages. Like, 
I think passive aggression can come. Actually, I just we talked about this at um, a work conference I went to recently. It was one of our like big uh, like speakers that we went and saw. Mm-hmm. Um, backhanded compliments are passive aggression. Backhanded compliments are so fucking petty, and it just reminds me of like Southern Belle women that are like, "Bless your heart." Bless your heart. I, what what accent was that? Is <laughs> that Southern. sure as fuck? I'm so good at Southern. Why can't Bless I? Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Why? I, I, I can't I'm normally do it. good at it too. On command, can't do it. But yeah, the whole bless your heart, like right. type of like, mm, no. Ugh. So that one's an icky one. Yeah, passive aggression is really gross, and it's it's very triggering for me because anything that has to do with aggression from, um, like men, I can't deal with. I can't. Oh, like, yeah. It makes me feel like I'm in a panic. Yeah. So yeah, passive aggressive behavior is disgusting. The last one under immature and unhealthy defenses is projection. So we actually typed a lot of notes about this one because oh, yeah. it felt probably the most relevant to us, I think. Yeah. Um, I think because I personally just pretty recently had a huge breakthrough uh, in my own uh journey to not do this anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the definition of projection is the unconscious transfer of one's own desire, one's own desires or emotions onto another person. We do this all so much the time, all the time, so much without knowing that we're doing it. Yep. So uh, an example is like we protect the self by a number of defense mechanisms, including repression and projection. So I don't need to say that because I realize yeah. we made the whole episode about that. Just yep. kidding. Um, so an example <laughs> would be pointing the finger at other people uh, and feeling really frustrated with other people because their behavior is actually forcing you to confront things you don't like about yourself. This is like, I mean, we could go on and on about this, but um, an example would be a lot of times you will see people say, that person used me, that person did this and this, but in reality, those are things that you do to people, right? and you are so triggered by witnessing it that... It makes you just want to point the finger, but really, it's about you. And that's not to say that you can't be upset about behaviors that have nothing to do with you, but usually you can tell um, that it's coming from a place within by how intensely you react to it. Absolutely. I, um, I thought of a good one that I didn't think of before, but I have felt a lot of, like, anger and frustration at my past partners especially and somewhat with my current partner but not really anymore because like I said I've been trying to work on this shit um but feeling a lot of like resentment and animosity towards them because they're being lazy but really I'm just frustrated with my own lack of leisure time which I choose on purpose not to have leisure time and then I'm like well you just sit around playing video games all the day it's like you're envious that they have right you're really just jealous and you're just projecting (laughs) your own fucking issues Onto them. Yeah. When, if they're getting all their stuff done, and it's no big deal for them to spend time playing video games, then why do you care? Why do you what, uh, what does it have to do with you if somebody that you're spending time with, and this isn't just with my, um, like, romantic partners, like, I've kind of done this with, like, my family and stuff, like, yeah. well, <laughs> why aren't they focused on the things I'm focused on? You know, like, almost, like, 
offsetting frustrations with your own life onto other people because it's easier to process and deal with things when you're putting it on other people, but in reality, you're not processing or dealing with anything. Yeah. Um, <coughs> something that I can give as a personal example of this is um, it really, really bothers me <coughs> when I witness people being indecisive. Um, <laughs> even down to simple things, like when I witness a couple have a conversation about what they want for dinner where they want to go for dinner is usually, I mean, this is kind of a stereotype for a reason, but it's usually like the guy being like, babe, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know. How about Chili's? Uh, I don't know if I'm in the mood for Chili's. What okay. do you think? I mean, Chili's is fine, but like, what are you in the mood for? Um, well, I don't know. What do you think? I think that you need to make up your fucking mind before I blow my brains out. Like, that's the kind of stuff. Like, when I witness the back and forth, mm, I don't know. Mm, I have no thoughts. Mm, I, I can't. guess we can go to Chili's. But I'm going to be really mad if we do go there because it's not what I truly want. But I'm not saying what I want. Oh, my God. Like, the, like the indecisiveness, the inability to make a fucking solid, intelligent decision and to just move forward and to everyone's just kind of like in this circle, not really doing anything that makes sense. That is a massive trigger for me. So like anytime I'm witnessing people being indecisive, it's like, first it's a physical reaction. I feel like my fists tightening up. I feel my chest getting tighter. My face starts getting hot. Like it's like real anger that takes over. So I decided to ask my therapist about it. And I was like, okay, this is like a massive, weird, extreme pet peeve for me. I feel like I can't trust people to make decisions. And witnessing people in indecision makes me literally want to like rip my hair out, set myself <laughs> on fire. So we talked about it and that's when she talked to me about projection. And she was like, okay, so a lot of times things are very extreme in a trigger like that when it's something that you do. And of course, my first response was to be immediately, I don't fucking do that. I, I hate this because I'm not like that. <laughs> Which is what most people probably think about the things that they hate. But right. that's not usually the truth because that's not how the psychology works behind it. Right. So I did some reflecting and I was like, you know what? I really fucking hate to say it, but on some major life decisions, I do kind of go back and forth and have had a really hard time making a solid yes or no decision. And you know what? I fucking hate that about myself. So of course it makes sense when I'm seeing this inner problem that I have with myself that makes me feel almost like a sense of shame. Uh -huh. When I see other people doing it, it's so easy to be like, oh my god, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you for doing that, but really it's fuck me for but doing really that. But really it's an old unresolved <laughs> problem within ourselves. And yes. and some I think it's on a you know a sliding scale for sure. Like sometimes it's something that doesn't necessarily need to be like a hundred percent addressed or resolved, but that animosity towards other people needs to be resolved. You know, we're all gonna have <laughs> things where we're like, eh, that's just one of the shittier things about me. Yeah. You know, like that's part of my personality that I just kinda I'm working on it. But it's not urgent. Yeah. Um, but I think it is urgent to notice when you're projecting onto other people. And, you know, pay attention. Like, if you find yourself like, oh, I'm fuming at my partner because 
they're sitting on the couch, but I have work to do. That, yeah. <laughs> like you're projecting. That's your problem that you're putting on them because you feel like you have little time. You know, I feel like I don't have enough time to get done the things I want to do and they are wasting time, you know, but in reality, I wish I had time to waste, you know, yeah. it's, it's like a multi-layered thing. So just ask yourself like, why am I so mad about someone else? What does that have to do with me? Nothing. Yeah. I, I think a lot of times our reactions to other people is the biggest indicator of what's going on with us inside. Totally. I think, I mean, we could even talk about in episode three, how we went through a whole list of like, here's what we want and don't want in a partner. And all of those things, as we said, we were able to talk about because at one point we were um, that other side of it. Or, exactly. you know, we experienced like really negative things with another person. So again, it's like taking the experience from our past and not being able to have that experience, you know, have to face that experience again, even if it's in a less like toxic, abusive situation. Yeah. <clears throat> Oftentimes uh, with this, someone's paranoias can actually tell you a lot about them. Yes. Um, so people that constantly feel like people are out to get them or they're being lied to, it is typically because they are actually lying right. to a lot of people around them. Because when you are doing bad things, you form a paranoia about, it's actually about being caught that you're doing it. But instead of realizing that, you just become so paranoid that everyone else is doing the same thing as right. you, but you don't make the connection that it's about you. That's why it's really common um, if somebody is cheating on their partner, a lot of times they will accuse their partner of cheating even though they're the one who's being unfaithful. Uh, they start mm -hmm. to anticipate their behavior in another person. Uh, and it's because they're just projecting that experience and offsetting it and putting it, you're almost putting that reality into somebody else. Yeah, um, <clears throat> basically whatever is going on beneath the surface, it can't live beneath the surface. So it's almost like we have to like latch it on, Jesus, right. latch it on to something or someone. Um, if you, someone who has a lot of self-hatred will find it very easy to be critical and attack other people mm -hmm. and point out their wrongdoings and be super petty and put all the blame on them. And what that really is, is it's a reflection of how you feel about yourself. Yes. It's also common for projection to manifest in manipulative and abusive behaviors yes. um, because you could be projecting an idea of what you want a person to be into that person. Um, this is something I'm definitely guilty of. Like, Oh, oh, me too. Um, there's a great book uh, called Victory from Verbal Abuse that mm -hmm. my therapist recommended I read. Um, and I remember a part of it that stuck out to me so much was a man who was previously like this awful partner who would lash out at his wife all the time, um, described his wife coming home from work and in his head, she was going to come home and she was going to start making dinner with him. Like he had already started making dinner. I could be recounting this a little bit wrong, but he had already <coughs> started making dinner and he imagined that she would come home and start helping him and she would ask him like how his day was. And instead she came home tired. She just said, hi, how are you? She didn't carry out this fantasy of her that he had in his head. So as soon as she spoke, 
he was instantly mad at her and lashed out at her. And then he had a realization, like, I'm mad because she's not the idea of my wife. She's my wife. That actually, I don't, that's, that's part of avoidant behavior. Too, yes. Yeah. Is, um, you create an impossible standard for your partner and that, that they can't live up to. And when they don't live up to it, lashing out or distancing yourself because it's easier than accepting this is a human being that I would have to, you know, accept as a human being and work with. Right. Right. So, uh, a lot of what we were reading today is how, you know, your brain is just taking in and interpreting information and the only way you can interpret it is through your own experience. So it's really, really tough to distinguish and separate how you're projecting your experiences on other people because it's essentially all you have and it's yeah. your only context for understanding other people. Um, so being able to be self-aware and we'll talk more about how to be more self-aware at the end, but being able to pay attention to the ways that you're doing that and instead stop what your own like preconceived notions are and just think about other person in the context of them being their own separate human being. <laughs> I think that the key to this is greater self-awareness, but an another thing to also include with that is, <clears throat> do you have repeat scenarios in your life? Do you have almost like friendships and relationships that seem to be the same scenario over and over with different people and you always are like, oh, they used me they wronged me, they, 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 this, and it's the same scenario. The common denominator in all of these scenarios, it's you. it's you. So while it technically is possible that you can date seven people and all seven of them may cheat on you, you know, stuff like that, or have seven different friends that all do the same thing. This is technically possible, not likely. Right. The common denominator in these repeat scenarios is you. So what does that tell you? You have to examine your own role in it. It doesn't mean that it's your fault that bad things happen to you, but you have to examine and take responsibility. The role that you play in it. Right. Because exactly. a lot of times people think that it's a one-way thing. It's not. Nothing it's nothing. not. Like... Even most relationships where one person is abusive, it's usually that both people at some point are abusive. Yes. And that's like the reality that not really everyone wants to talk about. No, of course you don't want to talk about that. <clears throat> Especially if, you know, a lot of times it's not like an even scale. And if you've been wronged more than the other person, it's really hard to say, well, I was also an asshole to them. Yep. Because they're, they're a monster in your mind and they very well could be, but... A lot of times those situations are created from, a lot of times you respond to manipulative behavior through manipulation because it's the only kind of way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and again, just being in those situations just creates a different reality that almost plays by different rules. Yeah. So you will end up carrying out like abusive behavior without knowing it. Basically, like, if you feel like everyone that comes into your life uses you, every partner does this, every friend does this, and it's the same type of scenario always happening, it probably isn't, that probably, like, actually didn't happen, that probably isn't reality, it's probably you yeah. projecting. Another thing that's common to project is, um, you can project past experiences with a past partner onto your current partner and you can try to um 
make your partner be the one to make that up to you that that happened to yeah, you. Yeah, that's okay. So a lot of times, if um, you've been in a, in an abusive relationship, unfortunately, we aren't really taught from a young age that when you have relationships, especially abusive ones, that you have to take time to heal from them. Right. We kind of it's almost been normalized to partner hop or have such little time in between, and that's usually what results in you get into a relationship with another person. And you still have that baggage and that pain from like the previous scenario. And it's almost like you then turn to your new partner to be like, fix my pain. Right. And I'm going to keep talking about it and I'm going to keep making it a reality and you need to make me feel better about it. Right. It's almost like you're almost like holding them accountable for the wrongdoings of the past and it's mm -hmm. not necessarily because you think they are carrying out the same wrongdoings but it's because you needed to heal from that before you entered into a close intimate relationship again and you didn't and I've definitely found myself there for oh, sure. Yeah. I've for sure done this in the past mm -hmm. too. Um, <clears throat> I think that's part of like another unhealthy relationship dynamic which is heal me fix me. Right. It doesn't exist. You have to be healed and fixed before you get into the relationship or it's and not going to work. You have to do the work yourself. No one else can do it for you. We have to throw out this weird obsession with hero complexes and someone swooping in and making your life magical because right. you still have that pain. Right. Um, and it's just so unfair to put that weight onto someone who didn't even like do those things to you. Right. To now say, now you have to deal with this. Now you have to deal with everything that I'm just going to keep bringing up over and over and like being paranoid of. Yeah. Do we talk about like projecting entire situations? I don't think we really did. No, I don't think we did either. Um, it's also possible to project entire situations and scenarios onto a current situation. So in the past, somebody cheated on you, you can project that onto your current relationship even when nothing is going on. Um, you can, you could find yourself like looking for signs of that happening um, and being paranoid yeah. um, because of what you went through in the past and not having actually fully dealt with that and healed from that. So it's another way of placing something that isn't reality onto your current reality. And the scary thing about that is that when you are doing that, you don't feel like you're projecting. You mm -hmm. feel like as if it is 100% real and happening. You cannot differentiate the past from the current. Right. And if you feel everything in your body and brain, like your you know chemical releases, your fight or flight responses, everything, everything is telling you this is happening again. It's happening right. again. Of course, you're probably going to believe it, but when things like this are happening, it is a major red flag that you have not processed or healed from previous trauma, and therefore are never going to be able to move past it. Right. Have you ever noticed that when someone like really, really dislikes someone, the qualities that they outline that they dislike in whatever enemy type of person this is, a lot of times are qualities that they have or things that they do? And that really is exactly what we were talking about earlier. Right. But that's why you see, like, a lot of times, like, um, I've, I've literally firsthand witnessed 
a psychopath talking about how they hated another person and outlining their traits and what they were identifying with someone else being a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is always mind-blowing to me when people are like, oh, I hate this person because of this, this, and this. And it's like, you do that. That's you. (laughs) You ever, like, looked in the mirror? Well, I just think it's fascinating. Like, the whole idea of projection and the whole... um, the way that it manifests in us is really fascinating just how our brains deal with things like what our defense mechanisms end up being is really really interesting um but it's also scary like it's like we have our work cut out for us because this stuff is happening all the time without us having to be aware of it like there's nothing forcing us to be aware of it except mm-hmm. that we end up getting caught in these cycles and wondering like why is everyone around why me? me of course right. it happened to me if you find yourself hold on i'm turning and like falling <gasps> off of the screen if you find yourself saying always of course of course this would happen or um oh, figures yeah stuff like that this is like a sign that you are trying to blame outside forces or outside people for something that you are at least partially creating. Right. <coughs> I think that sums it up for projection. Okay. Um, what do you think? This one's going to be good. Oh. Okay. You can go to that one. I mean, that was all of the immature ones. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. How long have we been talking? Uh, why am I dumb? One. An hour? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um. Okay. So now we're moving into what psychology today calls intermediate defenses. Um, so these are ones that are not completely toxic and completely unhealthy, but they're also not ideal. Like this, they're still, you still want to avoid them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so reaction formation is a defense mechanism where rather than showing how you really feel towards somebody, you start doing the opposite behavior. I'm guilty as fuck of this. Same, big time bad like really bad really bad um I guess let's give like a kind of an example um I am bad about like in the past like if someone does something or treats me poorly instead of you know addressing the fact that they're a bad person or treated me poorly I would do this super weird thing where I'd become like girlfriend Mm 5.0 oh you just wronged me really badly? Let me become wife material. <laughs> Which now I think is fucking disgusting. But, yeah, yeah like, I've become, like, super girlfriend. And I, I almost wonder if it was to create guilt within them. Like, well, I don't understand. Like kill them with kindness mantra that's yeah. repeated that we hear all the time. Um, you know, if somebody's being a dick, then you should just... Like, even though that makes you feel bad, and it would actually probably be better to, like, confront it head-on, depending on the situation, um, you're just like, let's be nicer to them. (laughs) Yeah. Like, this 
I'm dating an asshole. Let me shower him with love. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's such a weird thing. Like, in my head, I've always called it last-ditch effort, and it's something that I... This is all stuff that I've just made up in my head, so <laughs> maybe other people do this. But basically, <clears throat> I've noticed this a lot in women. Uh, when your partner uh, wrongs you or does something really fucked up, you go into what I call last-ditch effort, which is where you decide, give it my one last shot with this asshole, and I'm going to be a fucking flawless on every level. I'm going to step up how fucking hot I look. I'm going to just be the ideal girlfriend. I'm going to do this and this and this. I'm going to be perfect. Because then, when they fuck up again, they just have that as the memory, and it wasn't my fault. Peace. I don't know if anyone else does that, but wherever I came up with this concept, I have done this in relationships. Instead of being like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm done. I'm like, ready to watch me become the most ideal person you've ever met in your life. And then once you fuck up after this, I'm going to fucking ghost you. Um, I have definitely, like, planned entire vacations out of this. Like, I'm miserable. I feel like I should end my relationship. Let's go out of town together. Oh my god! Yes! Why do I do that too? Why? Oh, you just proved that you're literally not worthy of a second of my time? I just Romantic! Booked <laughs> I just booked a resort. <laughs> And then I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, and everything's going to go exactly perfectly on this vacation, and then it will prove that we're in love. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare step out of line, because this is the last little wave you're getting from me. Yeah. I've done that in, like, toxic friendships, too, where oh, it's yeah. just like, I cannot <clears throat> have this person in my life anymore. Hi! You oh, know? my God! Like... And I, I haven't, it's been years since I've done yeah. anything like that. Um, but I can remember just thinking almost that if act, like if I act the opposite way, I think there's something to be said about manifesting what you want, but I think there's also something to be said about that's bullshit and you can't do it in a lot of situations, and especially when it <coughs> involves another person. And you're you probably having a manic episode. Right. Like you <laughs> cannot manifest another person. <coughs> Into suddenly being a great partner. Like, no. If we just go to this romantic fucking waterfall, everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I see this a lot um, online where it's like these like toxic quotes that go around. It's like, be the strong woman that holds him down and always helps him with everything <laughs> no. and forgives him and always have his back and look away from the bullshit. It's like the list is like this long. Do all of these things for this person while they're not doing anything good because if you do it, then maybe one day it'll be great. Maybe it'll be nice one day. Like, how is this okay? And why would anyone want to participate in this? Uh-uh. And, and, and same for, you know, friendships too. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't. Don't. Do not. <clears throat> I don't know. That one... I think that one creates so much pain, too. Um, but I think that it's listed in the intermediate category because it can be 
uh, a situation like maybe you're at work and you want to tell someone, you're a fucking asshole and I don't want you to say that ever again. Yeah. You know, but in reality, you just have to be nice to them and that's just professionalism and it's it's very low stakes because it's not like you share your home or your life or your, you know, a friendship yeah. with that person. So I think that this one can be used in a healthy way, but it, it's very close on the line to being used almost exclusively, I think, in an unhealthy way. Um, or again, like we talked about family earlier, like if you're at a family gathering that you go to once a year, it may or may not be worth like standing up on the table and screaming at your relatives. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's situational. It's totally situational. Um, but yeah, in most cases, um, doing some extreme thing is usually not the answer. Right. Yep. So that's reaction formation. Yes. Next one. Again, (coughs) this one is on the line of where it can be really, really unhealthy, but there are some situations where it could be, uh, I don't think it's healthy, but I think it's just like necessary, like as a temporary fix almost just to get through certain things. And that is repression. Um, so being unable to remember unpleasant experiences that you've had in the past, um, I personally have dealt with this one a lot, um, and maybe it's, maybe it's not something to get fully into in this episode, um, you can always cut it. Yeah, so I have, I guess, entire blocks of time from when I was a teenager that I totally repressed for years, um, when I first started with my therapist, she had me write a timeline of my life, um, and from when I was 15 to 18, I couldn't write anything down. I got nothing. I was just like, I have no idea what happened. And um, that was about a year ago that I did that timeline, or maybe a little longer than a year ago, and it was unbelievable to me. I never knew that I had an entire three-year period of my life where I didn't know what the fuck happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I could remember certain events, but I couldn't put them in order. I couldn't tell you how old I was. I couldn't tell you which one happened before and which one happened after. So that was kind of my wake-up moment that I had actually uh, repressed a lot of sections of my life which is crazy I know and you know what's crazy is that you don't realize that you've done that until you actually are forced to sit down and make a timeline right probably weren't walking around every day like I don't remember anything for a three-year period (laughs) right no yeah I never faced it And, and obviously because I knew like because I can still pick out like certain events from that time period it never seemed like I forgot anything or repressed anything um but having to actually like sit down and look at it like drawn out like that it it feels like you know memories are like attached with all the five senses and colorful yep. and you can attach like sounds and smells and sights to them and then i get to like a cloud and then i'm like when then there and then i walked through fog for 3 years yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then i came out and you know it's like color turning you know a a movie from black and white to color almost yeah um so that is a huge defense mechanism. And I think for me at that point in my life, it was a literal matter of survival. Yeah. I think um, if I wasn't repressing certain things at that time, I don't think that I would have been uh, okay. I don't think that I was okay for a long but, time. Like, functional, but I yeah. don't think that I would have been <laughs> functional at all. 
Um, so I think that's why this one is listed in intermediate defenses because you do need it in order to survive, but I don't think that it works as far as long-term uh, healing. It's like a temporary thing to get you through it. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have basically done the same thing um, in and out of my childhood. And I didn't realize it yeah. until, again, I was in therapy and she was asking me about, like, tell me about, like, elementary school years and experiences and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, why can I only remember, like, four things? And it was so strange. And I was just right. like, wow, for, like, like a, almost like a five-year period, it's just random small things. Right. But that's it. It's, very, it's very, a very bizarre. It's a weird sensation, and and I've been able to get back some of the gaps that were missing, and that experience in and of itself was uh, really, really difficult, especially some of the things you realize, and then you're like, wow, I realize why I fucking forgot this. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't want to know that. I realized why I wouldn't want to have that as an active memory. Right, yeah. <clears throat> um, so I think that's something that, I don't think we can be aware of happening, and I almost don't think that that is something we should, like, try to prevent from happening. Yeah. Um, but I do think we should do the work of healing through those time periods that are really painful and repressed, um, because what was happening to me is though that repressed period of my life was manifesting in my job, in my everyday interactions with other humans, in my friendships, and in my romantic relationships. Um, just, it was affecting every single aspect of my entire life, and I knew why on a surface level, um, but the act of healing through that was, uh, I, I would say for me, it was, for me personally, it was not possible without professional help. Yeah. Um, because I did try to do it on my own for about 10 years, and again, <coughs> that whole 10 year period, I didn't even realize the three-year time gap that I had. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of times we try to heal on our own, mm -hmm. but unless you have happen to have an education on in-depth human psychology, you're probably not going to be able to, and that's why people um, find crutches. Yeah. And it can be in the form of substances. It can be in the form of people. Pe people can be used as drugs, just yeah. like drugs, like... You can abuse, you know, <clears throat> people like cocaine. Right. Um, we cling to these things that we think we're just having fun. We're just, we're getting past it. And we tell ourselves these very interesting tales. But in reality, we just are not facing the things that we've right. been through. Right, exactly. And you can even have moments that feel like you face something. But in reality, you just have like a really... Uh, almost traumatic brush back up against it like I would encounter like triggering situations that would cause like a mental breakdown which would feel like wow I didn't realize that you know I had this problem because this thing happened but then I had a panic attack about it and now I understand it so I can move on but it doesn't really work that way that's that's the biggest I feel like misconception that people have about healing is they think that you, it's, it ends at understanding. Understanding right. is just the first step in healing. You have to understand right. what happened to you to then be able to work on it. But most people don't get beyond that. They go, 
I understand that these things happen and they affect me this way and it makes me feel this way. Whew, ready to move on. That is not how healing or trauma no. works. Mm -hmm. And you can't just decide to move on, <clears throat> even if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying, I don't, I don't really personally feel like I know how to talk about other types of repression or other ways that repression can manifest just because that's very specifically what my own experience with it is. Um, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, I repressed a lot of stuff and it wasn't until... I eliminated all of the distractions um, or crutches from my life that I was even able to to remember because right. your brain is basically doing everything in its power to keep you from remembering. <clears throat> but what I've learned is whatever your life experiences have been, whatever trauma, pain, whatever, it doesn't just go away. It lives in your body until you deal with it yes so you may be repressing it but you do need to handle whatever happened or it's going to continue to leak out yes. in every like area of your life uh, and that's why i always encourage people to take um periods of true isolation and solitude yes um because we have so many distractions um between partner hopping and social media, alcohol, um, even sometimes work. Like I think that work can be a great distraction and in a positive way, but right. it all it's all about the extreme with it. Yeah. Um, clinging to a lot of these things is why we don't process our pain and ever move on from it. And we stay living in a pain cycle. Right. Displacement. Something really bad happens to you in your career, work context, whatever. Maybe you get reprimanded for something maybe just something really fucking bad happens at work and you are you can't blow up on your boss about it or you would lose your job right um and so you drive home fuming you walk in the door you notice your partner is just sitting on the couch and maybe it can just be that there's a dirty dish <laughs> in right. front of them it's like any small irritant and you explode yes. on them. Yes. It's not about the fucking dish. And it's not about your partner. It's about what just happened. But instead of, you know, having an outlet for it there where that's where it belongs. I hate it. That stupid phrase of, like, we, we take out everything on the people we love the most. Which makes me really uncomfortable to yeah. say. There's sometimes a lot of truth behind mm -hmm. that. A lot of times, like, someone that we are that emotionally comfortable with you could fall into a toxic habit of making them your punching bag. Yes, that's completely true. So displacement is instead of showing you're angry at a person who can, uh, who can get you into trouble, you shift your annoyance to something or someone less threatening. So it could be like a teacher or your boss or your somebody in your family. And then instead you're taking that out on your friend or your spouse um, or even on yourself, I yeah. think you could. Um, and that's... Uh, yeah, you're you're displacing whatever animosity you have towards a situation that's out of your control and putting that onto a situation where you do have more control just in that you have the ability to yell at that person, yeah. um, which isn't fair to them. Yeah. But it's, again, it's not as unhealthy as the other ones because it's preventing you from losing your job or getting kicked out of school or getting disowned by your family, yeah. but... 
um, even though it's it's healthy in the sense that you're at least making a distinction between like what you're socially able to do, you're still unfairly taking that out on somebody else. Yeah, it's basically going from I'm gonna slash my boss's tires to I'm gonna yell at my significant other about the dishes for an hour. Right. Yeah. Not good, but a little bit better yes. than slashing your boss's tires. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so moving into what are considered healthy defense mechanisms. So these are in place to help you deal with situations that are, you know, trying and difficult, but you're dealing with them in a healthy way. So the first one, which I think is maybe the best one, um, is humor. So Oh my god, <laughs> we're kind of experts at that. Yeah, just being able to fucking laugh at whatever it is. Like, ha ha ha, my life is on fire, it's fine. Yeah, like <laughs> that is personally I would feel like on my top three, like means of survival through some of the yes. really bad things I've gone through is to make jokes about them when they're so bad that it's just like, sometimes things get to be so bad that you almost kind of have to laugh because it's like, how is this even fucking real? I think it's like you don't have a choice or you only have a choice between laughing or going completely nuts yep. and like jumping off the side of the planet, Uh huh. you know? I used to, um, I feel like I used to get to this point a lot when I lived in LA with so much chaos and frustration going on and my go-to thing was, uh, I'd be like, yeah, you can catch me, uh, laying on the 101. <laughs> uh -huh. Like, that was my thing. And I always thought it was funny instead of being like, oh my god, my life is in shambles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think just being able to laugh through pain, uh, stressful situations, I mean... I've had, um, I, th I would say 2019 has been a very good year for me, but it's also been, like, I've been getting my ass kicked, for sure. Yeah. Uh, my family's been getting their ass kicked, so just being able to laugh wherever we can, um, it's almost like taking comfort in um, how fleeting and temporary things are, so when you, when you think of it that way, like, all you can do is laugh. Yeah. It's the only option. <coughs> I like to make um, humor out of my bad decisions. Oh my god, same. Okay, so another great way to um, deal with things is through altruism, which I really love this. Um, so being able to derive like true, genuine pleasure from helping other people um, is a great way of just, th that, that's a great thing to implement as a defense mechanism. Like, life fucking sucks. So in response to that, I'm going to give as much as I can because the more you give, the more fulfilled you are. And I, I've definitely found that helping other people and just focusing on helping other people um, is a way of helping yourself for sure. Yeah. Um, great. Um, <coughs> you know, obviously you have to put in work on yourself and you have to be able to be selfish and you have to be able to set, a t set aside time for yourself. But... If you are taking care of yourself, then you are probably able to give back um, to other people or or animals, which is my yep. favorite form of altruism. Same. <laughs> um, so yeah, if, if uh, the world is a depressing place, and it can be, and I mean it fucking is, then altruism is a way of coping with and dealing with that uh just depressing 
nature of being on this planet. Absolutely. Like, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That basically covers it 100%. Right. Like, volunteer, give to charity, help people in your life however you can. Help Share animals. knowledge. Um, be vegan. <laughs> Go vegan now. Like, um, yeah. <clears throat> one At least one meal a day. And then two meals a day. And then every meal a day forever. For the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, so next, as a mature defense uh, against the world, is um, anticipation. So when you know you'll be faced with a challenging situation, uh, you try to plan ahead so that you won't be overwhelmed. So I'm definitely a planner. <laughs> it's really healthy. It's it's so important. Um, if you're just like I, being spontaneous is cool and all, but it, like if you're just like caution to the wind for everything, then you're not forecasting for what's ahead, like what's coming ahead in your life. You will always be guaranteed to be caught off guard and that sucks. Yeah, this is why um, communication is also really, really important. Um, <clears throat> if, you, if you are anticipating that you have something potentially stressful or that's hard to deal with coming up, communicate it to the people that you're close right. to. Um, maybe even have like conversations with yourself, like. What usually helps me feel less stressed going into these situations and how can I create an environment to better handle this? Right. What is some advice that when I'm in this situation I usually look for? Even if it's just writing yourself a letter that says, hey, I know that you're feeling <laughs> the following way because you're in whatever the situation is, do not lose sight of the following things. Right. Um, that's something that I always tell myself to do when I anticipate something that could make me mad or upset coming up is write, I always tell myself, like, write yourself a letter. Remind yourself that this this situation is not your reality. Right. And that you can get through it. Here are some rational thoughts. Right, absolutely. Um, I think just having a game plan is you're giving yourself like a roadmap to follow and it doesn't have to be, you know, chiseled into stone. <laughs> so if something goes off the plan, that's okay. But, um, just having a plan at all, you will know, okay, this is what I'm planning for. Um, and you'll give yourself a guide to be able to actually accomplish things that you want to accomplish, mm -hmm. but also to, deal with challenges that are coming. So if you're looking at your game plan for the week, you will be able to anticipate what those obstacles for achieving your game plan will be and make a plan um, and just have preparation for the obstacles. Um, you don't have to be like me and time block every single hour of your calendar, <laughs> but um, you can if that's helpful. Um, and again, I think th thinking through challenging situations like Here's how I felt last time this happened. Here's how I can deal with it better. Um, basically, like uh, an example from my end is when I have certain types of like jobs come up that I know are going to be high stress. Um, I look at previous times I've been in that situation and go, what were the major stress points for me? And I have come to realize that a lot of times it's um, having to run around last second yeah. to get things or the second biggest thing would be <clears throat> doing things so late the night before that I am so anxious going to bed worried that I'm not going to get enough sleep 
that so, you then don't get enough sleep. Exactly. Yeah. So now that I realize that those are huge trigger points for me, the day before I'm going into this type of situation, to help me not worry about sleep later, I don't drink caffeine that day. It's just a small thing like that that right. does make a huge difference. And if I, my biggest concern is, am I going to be running around the second the night before? I wake up extra early the day before and make a list. Everything that I might possibly need, I go out and get it. And before the afternoon has even hit, I'm done. There's nothing to worry about later. And guess what? I didn't fucking shoot up with Starbucks earlier. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. Bam. Stress levels from here to here. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's simple things like that. Right, exactly, <clears throat> exactly. And just learning from a past experience so that when you come up with that experience again, um, you are iterating on, on how you dealt with it the mm -hmm. last time. So even if it's just incremental improvements. So say, um, I mean, even if it's like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a great example. Um Even if it's like, okay, for me, I like to eat, like, mostly healthy. <laughs> so if it's like, oh, last week, <coughs> I actually felt like shit the whole week because I didn't plan ahead and bring food with me, and instead I went out to eat every day, I felt like shit because of how much money I spent, and I felt like shit because of the food I ate, so I'm going to, you know, reassess and plan ahead to make food for, you know, three days at a time so that I'm never, like shit, I have no food to eat today, I'm going to go to Del Taco. <laughs> yep, and then you do like an impulsive thing that you end up regretting. And then I'm like, 17 tacos for me, thank you. Yeah, all for me, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Fast track to feeling like shit. Right, right, and, and anticipating things will help you prevent those in-the-moment stress uh, decisions that you make, so like stress eating or stress skipping a workout or stress staying up all night binging on Netflix, you yes. know, like all of these things for me is, is like stress responses where I'm just like, I would prefer to ignore my feelings right now. I will watch 17 episodes of uh, Love, Death, and Robots in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of sleeping. Right. Yep. Yeah. So uh, just being able to plan ahead to prevent things like that, you're setting yourself up to not make those decisions. Yep. <clears throat> Next. This one. I feel like I kind of struggle with this one. So the next one is suppression. Uh, if you are bothered by something or someone, you keep the lid on your feelings instead of letting them show, uh, or you know, knowing that letting them show would interfere with achieving your goals, you just let it, let it go. This depends on what extreme you're using it in. Uh, right. So basically, uh, I feel like a very relatable example is your partner does something and annoys you. You could point it out and be a dick about it. I do that. I suck. <laughs> <laughs> which then can cause more arguing, confrontation between the two of you, which spirals into your dinner plans getting ruined, which spirals right. into you guys not having sex, which spirals into going to bed mad. Which spirals into, you never talk to them again, it's over. And that's it. It's gone forever <laughs> because you said that thing. Mm -hmm. Or you could go, oh man, that annoys the fuck out of me. But you know what? Is it worth ruining my night over? No. I think a great way to check yourself on this one, is something I've kind of started doing, um, is because I'm very much like, this feels important. I want to deal with I'm it. Everything I'm feeling is so yeah. important. Yeah. So I think asking yourself, will I care about this in two hours? 
And if you're like, no, then probably let it go. Like, if it's not going to matter to you two hours from now, it doesn't actually matter. Or, you know, depending on the level of it, you know, you can scale it. Like, will I care about this tomorrow? I probably won't care about it tomorrow. Or, if you will care about it tomorrow, say, will I be able to have a better discussion about this tomorrow when I'm not so fucking mad? Yeah, that's another thing is um, recognizing your anger levels. Right. Um... Sometimes when you're in the heat of things, actually, I'm going to go ahead and say every time uh-huh. that you're in the heat of things, it's probably not a good discussion time. Yeah. Um, but I don't really have, like, anger levels, but I have more, like, um, almost, like, sadness or, like, dejected. Like, I just get, like, bummed out, like, majorly. Yeah. And I'm like, can I wait and talk about this later when it won't be such a bummer? Yeah. Yeah, probably can. A lot of times you can. Obviously, it depends on what uh, level you're using suppression because I am actually pretty guilty of suppressing things to such an unhealthy extreme to where I'm suppressing everything that I do. To where like. it goes into repression that we talked about yeah. earlier. Oh, yeah, I guess that's what that would be then. But I think it can start, like, it can start here and then get to the point where you you just start repressing it completely. It depends on how much you are suppressing. Like, if you're suppressing every single time you're bothered or upset about stuff like I used to do, then here's what happens, in case you're curious. Uh, X amount of time goes by, you're just suppressing and just suppressing and suppressing, and then all of a sudden, you reach your cap for how much of your feelings you can suppress. And then you know how they come out? In the form of you being a fucking monster. Yeah. That's me. I've learned my lesson. When something really bothers me, I'm going to talk about it. But if it's not important, I probably won't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really think putting things like in a time frame um, helps. Uh, because this was something that was really hard for me. It just felt, I guess, I've crafted like a sense of urgency for myself about a lot of things. And it's really hard for me not to, for, or for me to feel like, um, this isn't urgent, this can wait. So asking myself if I'll care about it later <laughs> is is, a, is an important uh, little like road bump for me to, to come to and be like, mm, okay, I will not care about this in a couple hours, therefore I don't think it's even worth talking about. Or I will still care about this, but I just don't see it being that big of a long-term issue. Yeah. We can talk about it later. Um, I think another way to... <coughs> think about it is think about like what are the consequences of me bringing this up right now or feeling like I have to deal with this right now like what is the positive possible outcome and what's the negative possible outcome and if the negative is like you're probably just going to get in a fight with your friend significant other colleague like whatever it is don't talk about it yeah unless it's like a very important issue that needs to be addressed and then maybe like schedule time to talk about it yeah (laughs) Um, So this is, when you're feeling anxious, you do something constructive such as cooking or... Oh, it's so specific. So funny because that's what Ash does all the time. That's great. (laughs) Um, Basically, it's um, I'm a very highly anxious person, so if I just sit in my anxiety and let it just like stew, I will literally go fucking crazy. So now when I recognize like the feeling coming up in me where I'm starting to get really on edge and anxious, I'm like, go do a creative project right now. Fucking (laughs) now. Leave now. Just go. Yeah. I would say this is the one that I excel at. (laughs) I feel like I'm the best at this. 
like if there was an Olympic sport in cleaning when you're anxious, I would have a gold medal. That's awesome. <laughs> I feel like it's very constructive. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, I love cleaning. Second of all, um, I love cooking. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and I also love working out. And all of these <coughs> things I really created as uh, defense mechanisms yeah. for when I'm feeling stressed and anxious. I just do something constructive instead because I'm like, what can I do with all this anxious uh kind of upset like stirring energy and it feels like that in your body like it feels like stirring you know unhappy bleh, icky energy but you can just fuel that into something else yeah. and turn it into something good where you used that for um you know productive time the best thing I found for me is honestly doing guided meditation. Yeah. I cannot believe I survived years of my life without doing it because it is an absolute game changer for me. I remember I started meditating. I So I did mindfulness group therapy meditation um, when I was like 17. And then I did yoga all through college, which is how I didn't commit suicide in college. Like I'm not even exaggerating. Yeah. Um, and then I just stopped any kind of meditation practice for years and I picked it up again recently. And I remember coming home from working like 12 or 14 hours or something stupid and then going to do my laundry. Um, this was at my condo. Uh, so going to do my laundry and I opened the washer and there was just water in it, like in the spinning barrel thing, just like stagnant water. And I was like, okay. All right, I'm fine. I am a homeowner who lives alone, <laughs> who is not gonna call a plumber right now or washing machine technician. Yeah. I was like, I'll solve this by myself through the power of YouTube. YouTube has the answers to everything. Oh my God. So, um, it led me to, to see that I needed to take my washing machine apart to like unclog some drain that I didn't know existed, but there's a filter that pulls like lint and stuff out of the washing machine. Anyway, I fucked it up royally <laughs> and flooded my condo and I was just what? like, yes, and I have downstairs neighbors, so I was like, I'm flooding their house right now. This is going to cost me thousands of dollars. It's probably not covered by my insurance. You know, I'm just like running through all oh this God. stuff in my head. But I had been practicing like meditation like as a daily practice and I was just like dealing with everything. I'm like, okay, there's a huge flood. I'm gonna put some towels down. I'm gonna get a boat. <laughs> yes. I was like, I will buy a funnel. And you know, I was, yeah. like, I was like just figuring out how to solve everything. I ended up having to go and buy like seven towels to like soak up it was so much water. But I just knew that if I had, if the same situation had happened a few months ago, it would have been like mental breakdown. Like I just been like, ah, I can't solve it. Yeah. But instead I was just like, this is what is happening now. And I will take action to solve the problem that is happening now. I think that stuff like that is huge because some of the things that a lot of us struggle with is when things that are happen that are out of our control. Yeah. And I used to have similar like full blown crisis meltdowns when something I didn't anticipate or hadn't like calculated in right. would happen. Like everything was ruined afterwards. There was no coming back. Right. Now I'm a little bit better at dealing with it because I go into everything kind of, I know this sounds weird, but being like, you know what? Things probably are gonna have uh, like some things, 
some things are probably going to have some things. <laughs> there are probably going to be some unexpected things that I didn't anticipate yes. that happen. Right. Right. And if you go into it being like, bad stuff might happen. Uh-huh. And you know what? I'm just going to deal with it. It's, it'll be fine. I know it sounds really simplistic, but I used to make everything like the end of the world. So like I that situation, say, I yeah. would have been like, everything, everything in life is canceled. Yes. Fuck everything. I'm quitting my job tomorrow. Right. Like right. crazy shit. Right. Yes. Like I've also been on the polar opposite end of that where like, I don't know, like I forgot to, again, a laundry analogy, like I forgot to put my wet clothes in the dryer. My life is over. Punch a hole straight through that fucking right. wall. Right, like just little things can just like throw you completely off and practicing like mindfulness and meditation is something that will really help with that because it helps center you and get you in touch with slow peace just in your own mind and you can just hear your thoughts and be like, hmm. <laughs> Those are thoughts. They don't matter that much. I guess fucking whatever. <laughs> That's what meditating will yeah. help you achieve. If you're ever wondering what meditating is like, it's whatever. And y'all, <laughs> that that astounding feat of not freaking out over flooding my fucking condo single-handedly was achieved by being really shitty at meditating because I am not good at it. I sit there and I'm like, well, that's a dumb thought. <laughs> oh my God, you're judging your own thoughts. Oh yeah. yeah. And, the, and the guy, like I use the Headspace, the Headspace app to meditate and the guy's like, and don't judge your thoughts. I'm like, judging them right now. <laughs> like, oh my God, watch me, you fucking asshole. Like, yeah, yeah. like the worst. But it's still helpful. Like even being really bad at meditating yep. is, is really good for you. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, meditating is one of those things that you get better at it over time. Yeah. Oh, totally. When I first started doing it, I couldn't even have, like, thoughts on track with what they were talking No. <laughs> I would just be like, oh my god, I need to go do this. What if this is... Or I'll be like, wow, you're really bad at meditating. I can't believe you're so bad at meditating. Why are you so What's bad at this? Why can't you stop thinking? Just stop thinking right now. It's so easy to stop thinking. Why, why are you still thinking? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm really... Yep. But now it's easier. <laughs> meditating is seriously so fucking useful. Yes. Yes. And you don't need an app or anything to do it. I mean, even if you're taking, like, five minutes when you're, like, alone in your car or alone, like, at wherever you are, just to be like, mm, okay, I'm just going to zone out. Um, I just experience <coughs> my physical body. I think it's really easy if you want to get into it, going on YouTube and just searching guided meditation. Yep. Um, or if you don't want to do guided and you just want to do meditation, the best thing that I would suggest is um, doing some deep breathing exercises and then putting on like a white noise sound. Yes. For me, that really helps keep my thoughts not so chaotic and all over uh -huh. the place. It also helps you sleep better. Oh my God. I do so guided meditations better. to go to sleep and I fucking pass out. Like I'll have my phone open, like doing it on YouTube and I'll like have it on my chest uh -huh. and I'll fall asleep and I'll wake up like two hours later and be like, there's a phone on me. Whoa. <laughs> Meditation, mindfulness. Um, another way to um, kind of find out what your um, defense mechanisms are, whether it's the healthy ones or the unhealthy ones, um, is just writing. Uh, you can yeah. write as a daily practice. I think it's great to write first thing in the morning um, because as we've spoken about in other episodes, like we're constantly distracted. 
the internet and social media are telling us how to feel all the time. Um, so I think it's really great to write first thing in the morning before anything else starts telling yep. you, this is how you feel. This is what you want. Worry this is about what you this. should be doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is what's really sad today. <laughs> yeah, you want your daily dosage of sadness? Get on Twitter. Great. Twitter's got your back. <laughs> you need to feel more depressed. Yeah. Um, so writing first thing. Um, there's a practice called morning pages that I like to do kind of tough because you're supposed to write three full pages, um, which can take a long time. Um, so, you know, but that's just stream of consciousness writing. You can also do like a gratitude journal, um, which is awesome just to literally start your day thinking about what you're grateful for. You might be like, oh, I'm actually grateful for a lot of things. Hmm. I think setting your goals is really important yep. to do because um, it keeps you on track and focused. Right. Uh, I think a good writing prompt for the morning is like, what one thing can I do today that will have the greatest impact on X, whatever your goal is. Yep. Um, also, writing about like what your morals and your values are. This is seriously, I feel like this is the number one thing if you're going to embark on personal development. The very first thing that you need to do is to create a level of self-awareness to where you know easily <clears throat> what your morals are and you may think that you do but just just to prove me wrong <laughs> do this exercise get a notebook and write down what your morals are what are the things that you stand by right because all of your actions should be in favor of those things it keeps you on track most people believe they know what their morals are but then when you just sit down and do my exercise which i hope you'll do you may actually stop at like one or two points in and be like, what else? Holy shit. What else are my morals? Or you may just have a vague idea of what they are, but you've never solidified it before. That's how most people usually right. are. Right. Um, so do that because you're not going to create a level of self-awareness or make better decisions and anything like that if you don't know what you're making the decisions for and who you are underneath it. Right. Um, I also think it's really important to deal with your own shit. Um, not expect other people to deal with it for you. Yes. Don't place an unfair burden on other people in your life mm -hmm. to help you. Obviously, you know, hopefully you have great people in your life who will support you, but it should be support. It shouldn't be like directly helping or directly solving your issues for you. It shouldn't be a fucking job. Right. Like, <clears throat> There's a difference between emotional support and making someone your therapist. Yeah. And on that note, I would say, if you can, if it is within your means, um, and there are some pretty affordable ways to do so. I know it's still, even the more affordable ways to get a therapist are kind of expensive, but if it's within your means at all, get a professional to help you. I waited, you know, 10 years to get back into therapy after stopping yeah. when I was a teenager, and I... I don't really regret many things in my life, but that's, I mean, I wish I started sooner. I really do. Me too. That's one of my biggest regrets. Um, I stopped going to therapy when I was 21, um, and I didn't get back into it until I was 29. Mm -hmm. I stopped yeah. when I was 18 and didn't go back until I was 28. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you want to find a therapist go on psychology today they have a search on there that you can do um, and then i would highly suggest doing a phone call with them yes. um and get to talk to them hopefully they can set aside like at least 30 minutes to actually get to know mm -hmm. you and you can get a feel for if they're going to be a good fit um 
because that's the other thing is it has to be a good fit. If they're not a good fit for you, then you probably won't be able to make a lot of progress with that person. So take the time not only to find a therapist, but find the one that's right for you. Um, the great thing about psychology today is you can look up kind of exactly what you want to work on and find yes. people who are specified to uh, exactly the kind of work that you need to do. Um, yeah, that was something that I really liked about it is if you're looking for a therapist that specializes in trauma, you can literally find one. Right. Um, and remember though, this is kind of like finding a doctor. Um, sometimes it can be more difficult to find a doctor that you really like. Right. And sometimes you might have to go through a couple different people until you find the right person. Also, some therapists have a sliding scale. So even if you don't have a lot of money, a lot of times you can qualify to not pay the full price. Right. Yes. Um, there's also ways that you can work with people who are at the end of earning their degrees. Um, so they might still technically be students, but they've done almost their entire program um, and they need like entry-level patients. So that's a good way to see somebody that's a little bit cheaper. And then there's also um, services online um, that are cheaper than, there can be cheaper than traditional therapy as well. Yeah. Um, so there are resources out there, um, and you know I think getting in touch with somebody sooner rather than later uh, is just, I mean, it's one of the, the greatest investments I've ever made. It's one of the best things I've ever done for myself. Basically, a way to stress the importance of it is, are you really unhappy? Are you in a lot of toxic cycles that you've been participating in for a decent amount of time? Now, imagine if you weren't. Right. Where would you be? Who would you be? What could you be doing? That is a reason enough to try therapy because you don't have to be in the situation that you're in. Right. You can change it, at least the way that you deal with it. You can break the cycles that you have been stuck in for your whole life, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, and then I think just the last note is just pay attention to when you're like feeling angry with other people or kind of shit-talking other people. Um, going back to kind of what we said about projection, like usually the things you're calling other people out for are somehow reflected in yourself. So if you're constantly like saying, um, oh, what's a good example? Like, <laughs> uh, she lies all the time. Like, why are you highlighting that? Why is that standing out to you? Like, are you in the habit of telling little white lies? Um, maybe you are, and maybe that's why it bothers you when somebody else does it. And it's not always the case, but if this is like something that you constantly find yourself highlighting in other people, then it, there probably is something about it that's relatable to you. Right. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for watching it. Um, <laughs> I feel like I I don't I didn't really feel uh, as with it as I usually do because I'm sick, but I feel like we still managed to go through some really important stuff. Absolutely. Um, I think this is a a very. Um, nuanced topic for sure yes. so I'd definitely love to hear what y'all think about um just kind of the defense mechanisms that we talked about um but this is a big one like I think making progress uh towards this specific area of self-awareness is just a big way to make huge leap forward leaps forward um on your personal journey <laughs> absolutely um i think that we spend a lot of times calling other people out on their shit where we don't really look in the mirror so if you're right. gonna walk away with anything from this call yourself out on your shit mm -hmm. don't hate yourself it's fine we all do this yeah <laughs> call yourself out on your shit so that you can be a better person yeah 
So all our episodes are on gsswshow.com. We're on YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube. <laughs> um, um, you can also listen to us on any podcast, app, service, anything. Spotify, um, iTunes. Just search um, GSSW. Yes. And then if you would like to support the show, you can visit gssw.com support. Uh, thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.